Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. Coming up on the show, Mind the Gap, Manchester City close in on league leaders Chelsea after securing their eighth straight win, this time over Birmingham. Arsenal are victorious for the first time in 2021 as they put four past Villa. We'll hear from Gunners defender Anna Patton. And what a week for Jill Scott. The midfielder followed up her 150th England cap by scoring the winner for Newside Everton at Spurs. Well, it's tight at the top and the bottom of the WSL, so plenty to discuss on today's show. Welcome along. I'm Kate Borsay. I'm Lindsay Hooper. And this week we're joined by presenter, broadcaster and content creator. We need to ask Sam about this because I'm so behind the times. Um, who also <laughs> played for Spurs and West Ham. Samantha Miller joins us. Samantha, we'll, we'll get on to the content creating, but what a weekend you had but wasn't it just left right center where were you going to end up at a match delighted to be back on the pod thanks for having me and I wasn't sure where I was going to end up on the weekend to be honest first I was meant to be at Birmingham and then I'm sure we'll get into it they had the venue change then we looked into going to Aston Villa against Arsenal which I was previously doing before it got postponed in the first place and I ended up at a great game Tottenham against Everton. Oh, you so you got a really good one in the end. So after all that hassle, it, it was worth it. <laughs> you got the pick of the bunch, didn't you? Definitely. I, I feel like it was fate and it really wasn't an end-to-end game and I was just delighted to be there in the sun as well. Lovely weather for it. It's been a bit of a topsy-turvy season and I suppose when, when you are content creating, you need to regularly output stuff, don't you? So have you sort of fallen foul of some of the postponements and the COVID cancellations, Sam? Has that been tough to handle? I suppose during these times you kind of take what you get and it is about keeping an eye on the fixtures because they're constantly changing and while I am lucky enough to be at games behind closed doors you sort of try try and make the most of it and get gather as much content as you can while you're there. Now on this content creating front I am a follower of yours on Instagram so I know what you do there but I imagine you're also on TikTok can you just bring anyone who's listening up to date with what you do and where they can find you and the sort of things that they can find as well So I I do a mixture of content I, I like to mix it up I still use my playing days to my advantage I can still kick a ball thankfully so I'll do lots of goals and skills and and passing drills that that people can see I had a partnership with Stat Sports where I had to increase my speed so I had to work really hard on that and to increase my levels and then I've also got behind the scenes content where I show people what it's like at the moment going to games and then I also bring in a bit of older content where you had that fan interaction and and player and fans when when they were able to meet and I think for people to see that at the moment gives them a a nice feeling of of what's to come in the future. You've just passed 40k followers on TikTok which is 
Brilliant, Sam. Oh, and, well you done. Know, really good for engaging younger fans. Um, I did a TikTok video once, by the way. Never again. Well, <laughs> it was me and my daughter doing doing one of those sort of popular dances together, and it took us so long, and we fell out so many times about it that we did do one and never again. But I'm pleased to see that it's a lot more successful for you. Well, I actually started off trying to make dance routines with my mum in lockdown, and it just took so long to to be in sync. And I thought, you know what? I think it's best I stick to football content and I did and thankfully it paid off and I've just surpassed 45k followers and one of my football videos hit uh, 1 million views which I was quite impressed with but it's it's a lot of fun and to get the reaction from from young girls watching saying that it's inspiring them to to want to play football or get involved in the media side is is actually really nice to see. Well, when we take too long over at labouring a point, Sam, you take the opportunity to get your phone out, do a selfie and put something on TikTok and mention the offside rule by all means. Uh, We'll let you do that. (laughs) So let's start with the match that Sam almost saw as we begin today's show. The Champions League is back and to be fair, so is the Europa League Man United fans, which means there's no better time to sign up for all the unrivaled coverage at The Athletic. Right now, new subscribers can get a half-price annual subscription that works out less than £1 a week for an entire year. All you have to do is head to theathletic.com slash offside. But hurry, you've only got until the 25th of February. That's theathletic.com slash offside. So the first game will cover Manchester City made up more ground on league leaders Chelsea, reducing the gap to just two points with a 4-0 victory over Birmingham City. The game was played at the FA St George's Park. It wasn't meant to be originally, but we'll cover more on that in just a moment. US international Sam Mewis opened the scoring in this one on her return from injury just before half-time, before she added a second after the break. Lauren Hemp floated in the third a minute afterwards before Caroline Weir, who else, she's just informed, tapped in her sixth goal in six matches and City's fourth of the day. That's City's eighth league win in a row and it puts them in good shape ahead of their Champions League last 16 tie with Fiorentina on Wednesday. I know already, Sam, that you're a big Sam Mewis fan, um, but I feel like Caroline Weir might just be outstaging her a little at the moment even. I think both of them have had a remarkable season so far. Sam Mewis, really interesting actually. She did a, a football IQ test and ranked within the top 1% out of all men and women that had taken the test. And I think that just epitomises her game intelligence, really. But she's just a joy to watch, a a box-to-box midfielder, gets stuck in with tackles, but also leaps and always seems to win aerial battles. There's a reason she's nicknamed the Tower of Power. (laughs) Oh, I love it. What does the football IQ test mean, as in sort of general knowledge questions or sort of football IQ? I think it's a mix of both, but it just shows how well she reads the game and just really gives us an indication of just how intelligent Sam Mewis really yeah. is. But like you mentioned, Caroline Weir also is having an incredible season and I was lucky enough to, to play with her at university. And Probably one of the highlights of my career was Faye White telling me that myself and Caroline Weir could take it in turns on free kicks. what an awesome moment what an awesome moment don't get Lindsay Hooper on that test by the way she'll get very upset if she doesn't come first I don't know where I get this reputation from Sam I really don't you're just very very competitive Um, I have to say though it it did take nearly a whole half for City's efforts to register didn't it they were a bit sloppy in the final third I thought in the first half 
Chloe Kelly was good again. She assisted Mewis's goal. But you know, even after the game, Gareth Taylor said how important the timing of Sam Mewis's goal was. And then, of course, after the break, there was no stopping City. Well, firstly, I'd love to know City's recovery methods because every time players come back from injury, they seem to be firing straight away for Manchester City. We've seen that with Sam Mewis, Lauren Hemp. They really get into it so quickly after returning. And Sam Mewis, the way she arrives into the box at the right time always, um, her passing ability to pick out those key passes. And Lauren Hemp has been a revelation to City since she's returned from injury and Phil Neville was always highly impressed with her when she put on an England shirt as well. On this occasion, though, Sam, I'm going to say not intentional, that goal. <laughs> it, was, it was clearly meant to be a cross, wasn't it, that one? Yeah, you, you, you could definitely say that. And I think you're right, City, it took them a while to get going. But sometimes once they do score the one goal, the floodgates open, a, a bit like uh, Chelsea, who are leading at the moment. But Birmingham, I think sometimes you have to give them credit. They so defensively organised at times that it makes it difficult for teams to, to break them down sometimes. But you're right, City need to be clinical in front of goal now when, when you're trying to compete for that title. But for me, Manchester City seem to be almost peaking at the right time of the season and yeah. catching up with Chelsea now. It is all coming together for them. Just on Birmingham, possession was at 18%, just one shot compared to 22 for City. So although City might have been a little bit nervy in the first half, Birmingham, um, you know, going 40 minutes without conceding, those stats tell us the tale at the end. And it really would have been a frustrating game all round, wouldn't it, Sam, because of the big mess up about where it was going to be played? Yeah, I think Carla Ward's made no secret of the disappointment she felt knowing so late on. I think also these things do need to be given more notice, not just in terms of the teams playing, but surrounding the coverage of, of people going to the game and, and knowing what's going on. And, and actually, it's been such nice weather out. I thought there's no chance it's going to be off or change. But I did speak to people at the Tottenham game who no. said they had been to the, the pitch recently and they said it, it was frozen. I think someone even said that they were having to put heaters near uh, the players warming up because it was mm. just that icy. I mean, she has come out and said, I'm shocked. I still don't understand what's going on. I was given 45 minutes prior to telling the players and staff. It's safe to say nobody's particularly happy. The sunshine and the pitch is absolutely fine, she said. Uh, do we not play any more games there between now and the end of the season? I think that's the big question that Carla Ward has posed, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean... They face Arsenal this weekend, but where will it be? It's looking like to me that it's most likely going to be at St George's Park again by the sounds of it. But it's interesting that Carla Ward seems to think the pitch is fine to play on, but other people are saying it's not. And that it doesn't meet the requirements in the rules and regulations of the league. I think that's the important point that the FA is stating, isn't it? But then I think it would be good for the FA to give some definition of of what's actually gone on at Solihull Moors, you know? Some people saying it's frozen. Well, it can't be frozen necessarily if there's been a sunny week. So there does need to be a little bit of clarity. And then also, I suppose, clarity about where the rest of the season's going to be played out if it is completely out. Mm -hmm. 
the closing of this gap at the top of the table, Sam, are you going to be the first guest we have on that's going to call it for Manchester City to win the title? Nobody has yet. I'm sorry, but I've actually backed Chelsea from, from the beginning before the season started with the signings they've made and the quality they have. And I'm, I'm going to stick with Chelsea. I think they've got this one. Are you going to change your mind, Hoops? No, I, I really want to be proved wrong, though. I'm there for the taking, if Gareth Taylor's listening. Um, <laughs> but you can't. You can't do a full 360, can you? That would just... It would just not be right. It would not be fitting. I, I think that they're they're going to end the season strongly, but I also think that Chelsea will match them. I don't know who I predicted, actually. So I could just go with City and pretend that I'd said that all along. I'd have to dig out, um, dig out an old podcast for that, for sure. But impressive stuff, really. And in no... Um, Carla Ward said some nice things about Gareth Taylor at the end of the game as well and about the side. She said that they're an exceptional side and that a lot of people had questioned Gareth Taylor but uh, Carla Ward said of him he's got so much quality he really has. It was only a matter of time when a new manager comes in it takes time for them to stamp their authority and he's done that now. Okay then, well from a team who recorded their eighth straight league win to a side who recorded their first win of 2021. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yes, Arsenal returned to winning ways, scoring four second-half goals to overcome a spirited Aston Villa side and secure their first victory, Arsenal, in four matches. The WSL's leading goalscorer, Viva Miedemar, opened the scoring on 58 minutes with her 13th of the season. Captain Jordan Nobbs back in the side after injury. She got the second nine minutes later, a bit fortune to that one. Uh, Republic of Ireland defender Katie McCabe scored with a 25-yard, very powerful hit to make it 3-0. I've seen reruns of that on social media uh, before turning provider for sub Lisa Evans, who scored with a header late on and wrapped up the points. Now, this is a first win since the 20th December. Maybe we're over-egging this a bit, so it's it's a first (laughs) win for four matches, but certainly the first one since Dubai Gate. Um, there have been quite a few postponements in this list, Sam. One point from a possible nine since then. So they needed this. They really did. And I think it's been no secret that the whole Dubai Gate situation has, has been a big distraction. And then with the postponements of their games, they've, they've not really been able to, to play much and put things right. I was at the game where they played Reading and they only got a draw out of it. And I think that just sort of added fuel to the fire for them to, to go on and get the win next time they played. It is noted, though, that Arsenal didn't get a goal until half-time. And actually, when you look at how Villa handled the first half, um, kudos to them. They sat deep and they defended really well. Uh, Once Arsenal started to break through their back line, then the middle three for Villa also threw themselves into that as well. So there did need to be um, perhaps a few changes from Joe Montemuro at half-time. But I thought Villa actually handled them and actually probably handled, handled their nerves because if I was in that Arsenal team, I would be, you know, desperate, desperate to get a win but also not sort of want to want to waste any chances as well and I think because Villa sat so deep Arsenal were taking a lot of shots from outside the box weren't they especially in the first half yeah and I thought there were real similarities here I don't know about you Sam but with with the Birmingham performance in comparison to this Villa one 
Yeah, definitely. And I think we've actually seen vast improvements with Aston Villa. And since Marcus Bignot's come in, I think you just have to look at his credentials and the experience he has in this league. And he he does seem to have that ruthless edge and he's very honest and open. And I think he will work this Villa team tirelessly in training and bringing that into a match day. And we'll, we'll teach them how to defend because there has been times this season where some of the defensive displays have been questionable in terms of the goals that, that have been leaked. But we, we have seen, like I said, an improvement and I'm, I'm interested to see what, what Villa do next. Yeah, I think Villa just lack a bit of firepower. Even with Iwabuchi, you can't put everything through her, really. But fair play for the good tactics, certainly in, in the first half. But what was nice, especially in the second half, to see from Arsenal was you've got Daniela van der Donk there, Jill Roard, Miedemar, all looking comfortable again. And so you've got that kind of really nice spine all flowing well. And I thought it was interesting to watch Beth Mead as well. You know, she was eventually called up into the England side, wasn't she? But after the after the uh, scouting report or lack of whatever the report was on her that um, that uh, deterred Hegarisa from uh, from initially picking her it was nice to see Beth Mead back and getting in there really yeah I don't think anything that she she can offer has really changed I don't know how it went missing in the first place to be honest but um, a quick word on McCabe and that shot from outside the 18 yard box Um, she's becoming a little bit of what I would call an expert in this area she'll try long range shots but there and you'll know this from from all the tricks and, and all the examples that you give on your channel, Sam, how difficult it is to get that sort of power through a shot. Um, but she does it, doesn't she? She does. And Katie McCabe makes it look so easy. And she's had to ad- adapt over the seasons, uh, transform from a wing winger to a wing back and a defensive player going forward and she really has a a wonder strike on her and seems to score some exceptional goals and we saw her score a great strike against Birmingham and then again against Villa like scoring against the Midlands team. Well, let's see what the mood in the Arsenal camp is like following that win. I was speaking earlier to defender Anna Patton. Anna, thank you very much for joining us on the Offside Rule. A first appearance for you actually, isn't it? Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's great to speak to you off the back of a, a very convincing win at the weekend, 4-0, and you got 10 minutes of playing time. I, I take it that you're easing yourself back because you've just re-signed for the Gunners in January after playing in the States for a while. Yeah, and I, I knew that coming back in, the step up of like the level and the speed of training and everything was going to take a while to get used to, but even just getting 10 minutes for Arsenal feels amazing. So yeah, I was very happy to get on the pitch and contribute in any way I could this Sunday. And this is a club that's so close to your heart. So you made your debut at Arsenal when you were 18. You've obviously gone abroad and you've studied in the US. How much would it mean to you to become a regular first teamer? Yeah, honestly, it would be like a dream come true because like you say, I was at Arsenal before and I was at Arsenal since I've been 12 so I've been down at Meadow Park handing out the programs as one of like the academy players. So you've had that experience now playing in the States what do you think that's brought to your game and how have Arsenal changed in that interim period? Yeah so going off to America was really beneficial in the way they really help you just individually after training after matches you'll have these individual clips with a attacking coach a defending coach and it just really helps you have little tweaks to your game that can really make you better and then 
to come back and to like you say quite a new different team obviously a different manager to when I left there's some old players but also a lot of new and very talented players it's amazing to be able to train with the level that these players are at um, day in day out and just really develop as a player and how is the mood in the team at the moment? It feels like it's been a difficult period and there've been so many contributing factors to that. As much as you've got this wealth of talent, and I'm sure you love playing up close with them, that there have also been lots of issues with postponements. So you haven't played as much as other teams have in recent weeks. I mean, this was a first win in 2021, but only a first win after four games without one. So it's not like it was a huge, huge amount of time, but it, it sounds worse than it is. It was a really... Yeah, really hard start to 2021 because of that. There was no routine. There was no rhythm that we could get going into any games. And especially when you knew that we were going to have City and Chelsea in one week. You wanted to have, obviously, Reading was disappointing for us. And there was other factors involved in that. Um, But then what we would have liked is to learn from that and then move on to another game and another game after that and another way before we had those two really tough, important games in the season. So, yeah, it was really hard to to kind of even like that team spirit and everything because you're not playing a game. You're not playing against – you're playing against each other every weekend because we'd have like training games and stuff, and that's just not the same. So, yeah, it was really tough. And I think now having this win against Villa, um, it's really just going to help us try and get some momentum and go now into the rest of the season. And it might help shift the outside perspective a little as well. Does it feel from a team up until this point and this weekend that you've been on the receiving end of a bit of negativity? There was the Dubai issue. And I I think everybody is intrigued as to how that's been handled inside. Also, Beth Mead, who wasn't originally chosen for the latest Lionesses squad, she did eventually get a call up. But I think a lot of people were surprised that she hadn't. And Sometimes you're in those moments and with a team and it does feel like it's one thing after another. Is that how it's been? Yeah, it has. But credit to all the girls and the staff and everything. I don't think we're a team that will dwell on, you know, situations like that. Uh, Dubai, for example, it was dealt with at the time and then we moved on and we looked forward to the next thing. And also we always did have a game to look forward to. Like it was there for us at a weekend. It was just every morning on a Sunday, they'd say, actually, hold up. You're not playing because there was some reason for us not to. But yeah, in that, in terms of, yeah, it's been hard and there's been certain situations that could e- easily dampen the mood within the squad. I think credit to everyone, you know, the focus has stayed there to try and get us going again for the season. And do you think you're going into this final part of the season with a bit of a point to prove? Yeah, definitely. I think it was very frustrating for us to lose to City and Chelsea because we do know we have the ability to beat both those teams. Now it's really important for us to look forward to the rest of the season and honestly kind of winning every game to really push for that Champions League spot, which is obviously what we all want. Give us a bit of insight then. Um, what is it like marking Viv Miedemar in training? <laughs> yeah, it's not fun because she's got a right foot and a left foot, just as good as each other. And she loves that little cut move. So you never know when you can, you know, go in to block the shot because she might be chopping you and then hitting it with her left foot. Yeah, she she definitely is 
very tough to mark in training but honestly there's so many players like that you just I've got to be switched on ready at every second in training it's it's a big help for a team having a player like that isn't it I mean don't want to just single her out I've no, I know you've got a lot of talent within the squad um personally for you between now and the end of the season you've already mentioned you know you, you're wanting to catch Man United you want to get in those top three spots so that you can you can get European football so for you personally, what does that equate to and look like in terms of game time or minutes? Yeah, so for me, I just think whatever I can do to contribute to the team, to help them in that, to get to into the top three is all I can really do. And obviously, there's going to be more of a build-up of games now. So I, I might get the opportunity to start a game and do as best as I can when I get that situation it might be the case that I do have to be more of a part of a non-playing group and get those opportunities when I can it's just for me I understand that role I have right now and there's no point of me being negative or anything like that because that's not the mood that anyone in training would want or during a game so yeah betterment of a team is really the focus for me and if I get my opportunity I'll definitely um, grab it with two hands. It must feel like an incredibly exciting period for you for the for the next couple of years ahead. There's a new England manager coming in in Serena Weigman. And often as players, that means that, you know, anybody has got a chance. You can you can really get your, your shot at potentially with the, the England senior team. And you've played at youth level. Yeah, I loved youth international football and getting all the opportunities I did have um, at World Cups and Euros and everything I love being part of that and I've really enjoyed seeing girls who I've grown up with been getting their debuts and I it's made me more hungry seeing them go and get their debuts for me to try and make that next step and it is exciting like you say with a new cycle kind of it's kind of it's in its own way kind of starting fresh um and you have your opportunity to go into next season and I feel like if you're proving yourself in the WSL there's no reason you shouldn't be getting the opportunity to go to an England camp I also have had you know a couple words with some of the Dutch girls at Arsenal oh what what does she like you know is there a certain type of player what should I be doing if I get that opportunity so I've got a little bit of an insight too. (laughs) That is very resourceful I very much applaud that well as (laughs) as one of our ones to watch and and we're going to really progress with your career and hopefully get you back on the podcast in the future as well just to just to give us a little bit of insight what do you like doing away from football who are your your best mates on the pitch as well? Yeah, I have to say Lotta's probably my best mate. She's been with me at Arsenal for so long and we also built that strong relationship also at England Youth and everything. In fact, um, Kay Cosington, she was our, she's obviously now very high up in the FA, but at the time she was our under-15 manager and she, we were the two centre-backs together and she called us the Twin Towers. So <laughs> we kind of joke about that um, little nickname that we've got. Um, Joe, even today in training, called Lotta Pats that's like my nickname like three times people always get us a bit confused but anyway um yeah she's definitely like one of my best mates on the pitch and everything and I I do have a lot of friends all in different different teams there's that little bit of rivalry as well but yeah away from football I honestly quite like the simple things in life at the moment there's not really much more you can do I love a good Netflix show I love a good walk I'm fortunate to live kind of in the countryside so I love a good little countryside walk now and then and um, 
I'm also a bit of a Harry Potter nerd, I have to admit. Ah. But I am a bit of fake. Well, I'm trying not to be fake because I love the movies. I've probably watched them too many times, but I've never been a big reader. But recently I'm like, no, Anna, you've got to read the books. Everyone says the No, books. you're not one of those that did the movies before the books. I know, it's terrible. Oh, dear, I know, Anna. I know, I've Anna, you've gone up. down in my estimation. <laughs> I know, but I'm going back on myself. <laughs> I just finished Goblet of Fire the other day, so that was that was a big step for me. And now I'm already straight on to Order of Phoenix. So Netflix, books, walks, very simple. Well, thank you so much for your time. We wish you all the best for, for Arsenal as well for the end of the season and in your own personal journey, getting more minutes, more game time and seeing a lot more of you in WSL. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Arsenal defender Anna Patton there speaking to Linz. Great to hear from her, Sam. One of the rising stars of the English game for you. Definitely. I'm, I'm excited to see how she develops now she's back in England. She was at Arsenal since the age of 12 obviously played in the spring series, has gone away to play college football in America and then to, to come back to her childhood club almost and uh, be back in contention for the first team is, is quite remarkable. It sure is. Well, let's head on to the next game of the weekend. Sam, the one that you were at. Jill Scott capped off a memorable week that saw her reach 150 England caps by heading in Everton's winner in their 3-2 victory at Spurs. Everton advanced to a two-goal lead inside 20 minutes thanks to two early penalties from Valerie Govan. Angela Addison gave Spurs hope before half-time with a neat finish to make it 2-1 before Gemma Davison equalised with a half-volley on 57 minutes. But just four minutes later, Scott headed in a corner from close range to give Everton only their second win in 10 games. Are the toffees out of a sticky patch? Uh, They stay in fifth. Poor joke, sorry. Uh, They stay in fifth while Spurs remain in eighth place. Right, Sam, where do we start with this one? You were there, obviously, uh, Everton getting into a two-gold lead, but then really sort of throwing it away, allowing Spurs to fight back. They did, and and that's what made it such an open, entertaining game. And when you're 2-0 down, you're almost thinking this is going to be really tough for Tottenham to get back in it, especially looking at how many goals they've scored from open play this season but it do seem to have changed things around in a sense and I have to say I thought Tottenham had a really bright start when Rhea Percival put in a, a lovely through ball to Angela Addison and some great last last stitch defending there but Everton managed to, to clinch the win in the end and I think they just showed how, how experienced they are as a club now and that they are moving on. Kate, Sam, you started here with the 2-0 advantage that Everton had, but can we go back to the the two penalties? I've got a lot to say about these. Um, Now, I think it's worth stressing here that we're not afforded, are we, like we are in the men's game, the replays, the many different TV angles. But from the one that I could see, let's take the first penalty where it was meant to be handball. Yeah, by Rhea Percival. Yeah, Yeah, watched it back. It hits her chest. Now, yes... Her hands are in an unnatural position, but it doesn't hit the hand. It hits the top of the chest and that shouldn't have been a penalty. Okay, well, I didn't see that. Sam, go on. I think that from from where I was sitting, situated in the press box, I couldn't really see. And then I watched it back and I, I feel like she did move her hand yeah. slightly and... I think if she hadn't have moved it at all, we probably wouldn't have been having this discussion. But I think Keris Harrop, 
is gave away the two penalties in this game and she's also done it in other games so I think it is definitely something that that needs to be addressed and looked at. I think mm. you're right I think it was the movement of her hand in terms of it was just unnecessary wasn't it but if if she'd have kept her hands down by her side you would have seen as clear as day that it hit her <laughs> chest and it I mean it wasn't even shoulder it was it was just at the top by where your clavicle is um on the replay i saw anyway okay what about the second pen they fouled by abby mcmanus yeah i think that could be given but i again i thought it it was tame i did think it was tame there is one point and and again i do point out that i've gone over and over just one angle of a replay and i think her arm was sort of encroaching around the neck so yes um, I could see why it was given. But I also would have seen on another day a referee say, you know what, get back up. Well, if that was the case, then I suppose Spurs can take heart from that. Um, I thought the bright points for them, as Sam sort of alluded to, Angela Addison, she could have scored early on. Um, she did get one. And Gemma Davison's really, you know, really lovely goal as well. So two two really good goals. Solo effort from Gemma Davison. Claire Emsley, I thought, was good for them as well. Um, great to see Valerie Govan and her head back. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was it was nice to see Valerie Govan back in action. And whether it's from penalties or from open play, she does seem to have that clinical edge in front of goal. And, and nerves are still, really. But for me, Jill Scott, I have to tell you this story quickly. So obviously she, she scored the winner for Everton. And the celebration was right in front of me. And I was trying to figure out if she was doing bird noises or she was flapping her arms about. And then I was like, is that some sort of animal? <laughs> and then post-match, she t- told the story that uh, some of them were out practicing after training some goals. And Claire Emsley, who delivered the ball from the corner to get Jill Scott the goal, was one of those players that Jill was practicing with uh, after training. And there was a bee on the floor and it looked like it needed saving. So Jill Scott decided to squirt some energy juice and see if she could help it. And apparently the energy juice worked and the bee (laughs) got up, recovered and flew away. And apparently the celebration was dedicated to this bee from the training ground at Everton. Utterly fascinating. Jill Scott, the bee rescuer. Meanwhile, the bee's so re-energised by that drink, it's knocking at the door trying to get in in the background of that story for anyone listening closely. Yeah, sorry, those are the builders in in uh, <laughs> next door. Apologies for them. Um, Willie Kirk had some lovely things to say about Jill after the game, actually. And I thought that this was telling. He was talking about the standard of her training and performances and her energy, of course, the fact that she's great at retaining the ball. Um, but he did say she'll have a long-term impact on this club. And I thought that, that that was a lovely tribute to her. No matter how long she stays, her impact will remain. Yeah, Jill Scott as well, saying that she was really touched by all the messages she got after that 150th cap as well, didn't she? Uh, Well, let's just look at the defeat for Spurs because it takes them now in the table down to eighth in the league. And if we focus our attention towards the bottom right now, we've got Bristol City at the foot of the table. They've got six points. West Ham, two points above them in 11th. Then Villa have got 10 points in 10th position. Birmingham, one point above them. Spurs then just one point above Birmingham in eighth and Brighton on 15 points in seventh so looking at the relegation battle Sam who's who's it between for you? For me I think it's actually possibly between West Ham and Bristol and I think with West Ham bringing in a new manager in Oli Harder and him 
adapting the tactics and changing them to a different system so late on in the season to three at the back, which might not necessarily suit the calibre of players they have. And they need to try and react to that quickly and get performances from it. And it'll be interesting to see if that can happen. And then Bristol do seem very reliant on Ebony Salmon for goals, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, ball over the top and for Ebony Salmon to to run onto. But when you do only have one outlet, it does make it a difficult task. West Ham are at home to Chelsea this weekend, so that won't help their case any further. In terms of Bristol City, will they play Reading on Monday night? It's just it's just tough going for them, isn't it, I think? Yeah, and I think Bristol, they could get something from that Reading game. Um, a little bit of disruption in that squad as well because they've lost Wales midfielder Anne Harrod-James. We actually interviewed her. This is one mm. where it comes to really bad timing, Kate. When we get a guest on, they can't really speak about something and then the very next <laughs> day... announce it the next day. They announce that they're <laughs> going to go to the NWSL. So she's joined North Carolina Courage on a two-year contract. Um, Red, Reading go through those little spells, don't they? I mean, we'll, we'll be used to watching this, Sam, where they, they have a period where they're really good against the big teams, but it wouldn't surprise you if Bristol actually got something. No, it wouldn't. We saw Bristol pick up points from Tottenham when they were maybe in, in a rough patch and they needed to, to get points from the game. And I think knowing how important it is in a relegation battle, I could definitely see them trying to, to gain points from that game. And Reading, they do pick up points from the big teams sometimes and then struggle against teams lower down in the table. Should we pick up on the other games? So just to mention these briefly, Manchester United play Aston Villa on Sunday. Also on that day, Birmingham play Arsenal. We've mentioned that. Brighton play Tottenham City. Manchester City play Everton. And West Ham, as we said, play Chelsea. Um, It's hard to predict whether there'll be a surprise there at all, um, unless Everton feel like it might be going their way and they try and do something against Manchester City. But the gamers at the Academy Stadium, I suppose City are in action, aren't they? Uh, midweek with the Champions League, so there could be an opportunity. But Gareth Taylor's got such depth, it, yeah, it feels like it might be a bit of an ask. And then what do, what do you make of the Manchester United-Villa uh, fixture, Sam? That's first up on Sunday. Well, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about Manchester United as title contenders. They've they've almost slipped down a, a bit in the table. And I think Tobin Heath being out is, is a huge blow. But on the other hand, her US women's national team teammate, Kristen Press, does seem to be firing now and scored some remarkable goals in the She Believe Cup. And she's finding her form. But it will be tough with, with Villa also fighting a relegation battle. A very good point about Tobin Heath. I think she really has been missed. Um, let's move on to Champions League then and these matches midweek. Uh, the first of two legs. Um, so we've got Manchester City um, at home to Fiorentina. That's Wednesday afternoon, 4.45pm kickoff that one. Uh, Chelsea also in action. You can watch straight afterwards them at home to Atletico Madrid. 7pm kickoff in that one. Um, let's start with Man City. City and their chances against Fiorentina. They're a side, Sam, in Syria that had been doing really, really well up until this weekend just gone and they suffered a 2-0 defeat against uh, Florentia. Uh, but until that point, unbeaten in the league. So are they a side to worry about? I mean, looking at their form, like you said, in 2021, it, it was almost immaculate up until the defeat as of late. But I think Manchester City have so much talent in in their squad. Uh, Now they've got World Cup winners and 
te- uh, players like Caroline Weir, who's been on fire, and, and even players like Laura Coombs, I think, uh, is a player that's been flourishing under Gareth Taylor. And Manchester City have had the heartbreak before where they've been knocked out early, and I, I think that's probably fueled them to make sure it doesn't happen again. I can see Manchester City winning this one. Well, talking about Manchester City being knocked out, the team that knocked them out last year was Atletico Madrid. They play uh, away to Chelsea. So Chelsea are at King's Meadow for this one. And they do come come up against uh, a tough side. Of course, we might see Tony Duggan. She could be involved. And don't forget former Blues goalkeeper Hedvig Lindahl. She's Atletico's goalkeeper. So this has got the making of a really tasty tie and will actually probably be the more competitive tie of the two, Sam, in the last 16. When the draw was made, everyone's eyebrows were raised and they said oh Chelsea have got a difficult draw this time and it also emulates the the same draw as the men's and if they can do what the men did and beat Atletico they'll they'll be pleased but we we know that Emma Hayes is desperate to win the Champions League and it is a priority so I can imagine with the depth that that they have and the quality that they should beat this Atletico side but it'll be interesting to see Tony Mm. Duggan make a return to, to England yeah, both games being broadcast on BT Sport 2. Um, good news for women's football fans. Should be an entertaining afternoon and evening there on Wednesday. All right, we should probably round up for today, shouldn't we, Linz? I think so. We can remind everyone that on last week's show, if you've not listened to it yet, there's a, a lovely interview that Kate did with Hope Powell. Um, got a little bit of pickup as well, that one. Yes, it did. We are totally here for creating the news lines. And uh, thanks to Hope Powell for being so honest, really. Uh, you can rate, review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your shows. We'd really appreciate that. A five star would be fantastic. No, <laughs> I don't want to negotiate any other lower no. rating than that. Uh, we'll, we'll be back again next Tuesday a big thank you to you Sam for your time today uh, where are you for the week coming I should be at Chelsea's Champions League game against Atletico which will be a tasty fixture and then Brighton against Tottenham on the weekend lovely we will keep across all your channels that you've got and don't forget to keep across our socials to at Offside Rule Pod and the website OffsideRulePodcast.com Jessie Parker Humphreys with her usual WSL roundup and plenty more strong women's content there besides we're back next week aren't we Linz we are we'll be back with you then you've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything Offside Rule at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule WSL edition is a Money Knees Media production. The Athletic.